Good to see you today. This is uh, going to be the, the last sermon I'm going to preach this year, I've decided. <laughs> what do you think? Huh? So I'm going to make it a long one. I'm going to see how long we can go today and just kind of keep the crowd going. And uh, Are you excited about that? Yeah, yeah I'll bet. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I talk to people who uh, have different trades, you know, like if they're a carpenter or they're, you know, they happen to do electricity or whatever. And the wives always have the same story. The story is... You know, yeah, but he won't do any of that at home, right? Do you know what I'm talking about, ladies? But I offer to preach to my wife on a regular basis at home, and she refuses it. Now, go figure that, will you? I don't understand what the difference is, right? You know, I thought it would be good to remind you of why this church is called Influence Church. You know, a lot of people ask me uh, that, and they say, well, that's kind of an odd name for a church, but I want you to understand that it grew out of of really scripture, and it grew out of an effort to try to make a difference in the world. Here's a, here's a vision statement. It goes like this, to influence the world and to spread God's fame that many may believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. The idea is that you are the most influential person in the world because no one has a sphere of influence like you. No one is going to associate with, connect with, Pray for and make a difference for the people that are in your world greater than you are going to make a difference. And we want to encourage you to do that in a powerful way. Before I show you some scriptures, I want to just kind of say this is kind of interesting news. You, we told you a few weeks ago that we started, uh, uh, really, it was just kind of one of those organic movements up in Big Bear, and so now we have an influence church in Big Bear, and I want to give a shout out to our church in, uh, in Big Bear, California right now, who moved, uh, I think this week, they're moving into a bigger facility because they have too many people in the, in the facility they were move, meeting in, and you know, it's not anything we did, it's just something the Spirit of God raised up. I want to give a shout out to uh, Abu Dhabi, and uh, they stream us live. They watch us at night, or they rebroadcast us in the morning, and God has done that. It was another one of those organic movements of God, and I, and I was laying in bed praying last night, and God just really kind of impressed upon my heart that uh, we would not have missionaries, and, and it was kind of one of those weird thoughts. I've had missionaries in the church my whole life, and everybody says, everybody's got a friend who's a missionary. And everybody missionary I know needs $20 a month. And, and, I, and I said, God, that's a weird thought. He says, no, I want church planters. And you can call them missionaries if you want, but I really want to see us plant 100 of these kind of churches in the next 10 years. It shouldn't be too hard if we, keep, uh, if we can get accelerate the pace a little bit. If we can do two in 10 months, I guess we can do uh, 110 years. And the beauty of the whole thing is we're operating on a zero mission budget. Now, I mean, think about that. When I was reading in the book of Acts, and it said that, that Paul, as he made his movement through Lystra and Derbe and all these different cities, as the Spirit of God was giving him evidence and giving him, and giving him direction, I realized that Paul was operating on a zero-mission budget. And he was going to key cities with key people to take the gospel of Jesus Christ in a powerful way to influence the world. And the reason that you and I have faith is because the gospel of Jesus Christ went west. Paul aimed to go east. 
and he was given that, that Macedonian call and the gospel. Instead of Paul going east into Asia, the gospel went west into Europe and then into America. And the reason that we have the movement of God in the west that we do today was because of the mission movement, if you will, of the apostle Paul as he went into key cities with key people. When you follow the Spirit of God, life is much easier. That's why the Bible warns us against this idea of making such rigid plans that you can't hear or see the Spirit of God. There's a way that seems right, the book of Proverbs says, but in the end it's the way of death. That's why it says, trust in the Lord with all your what? Your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. When you lean on your own understanding, you're going to miss out what God wants to do. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and it says, and He will. There's the promise of God. He will direct your path. We are a Spirit-led, Spirit-filled church that seeks to honor the Lord. Look at some scriptures that came to mind when I thought about this vision statement. Mark chapter 1 and verse 28, and immediately His fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Jesus showed up and everybody said, who is this guy? His fame began to spread. Psalm 135.13, Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. I love making God famous. Just talking about God. Mentioning the name of Jesus. Lifting up the name of Jesus. Mark 4 and 24, it says, Then his fame went throughout all of Syria was talking with my neighbor. We took Christmas gifts around to our neighbors. We have two Muslim neighbors, one Buddhist, and the other family we recruited and now come to Influence Church. Amen? So that's our cul-de-sac. And I went over to our Syrian neighbors who are Muslims. And he said his wife was in Saudi Arabia. The family had come down there to spend some time. Over 100,000 people dead in Syria by that despotic ruler there who's rising up in the name of evil, killing his own people. And I went across the street to our other Muslim neighbors who are very, really don't know that well. They're fairly new. And I'm bringing Christmas gifts. It's almost funny. I'm showing up, and to hear him say back, Merry Christmas, Merry Christ gathering is what it is. It says it went out throughout Syria and they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, uh, paralytics, and he healed them. You see why his fame spread? Because they were seeing it. And, and firsthand they were encountering God himself walking on earth, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Well, we've been on this journey now for about 10 months. This is the 33rd sermon I preached from the book of Exodus. And we started in chapter 12. I guess I'll have to go back and preach those when, when we get all done here. You know, kind of like read the last part of the book and get to see what it's all about and then go back. I have a friend that reads mystery, mystery novels like that. He wants to find out who did it so we can keep his eye on him throughout the whole book. <laughs> well, here's a wilderness report. See if you've heard this one before. You can be in the middle of a miracle and what? And not know it. When you begin to feel and sense the Spirit of God has got you in the middle of something supernatural, you begin to say, maybe this is what's going on. Maybe God is doing this. What I want you to do is affirm your faith in the middle of that. 
Don't wonder, don't enter into doubt. Just understand that you just have to keep moving in the direction of faith. Because the journey increases your capacity for the miraculous. When I begin to see what God has done and what God is doing, this past week we had a couple of days with our, with our kids and we went up, uh, Tammy and I went up um, to this area of this land that has been donated to our church. It's going to be a future Camp David. And it's five acres, and it overlooks this beautiful valley, and, and I was standing up there thinking about what God had done, how God had provided. I think about you, and my, before my face just flashed many of your faces who walked up to me somewhere in this journey and, and said, uh, this is what God is doing, or this is how God has changed my life, or, or even handed a large check and said, I really believe that God wants us to have a building and wants us to have a home, and I want to be a vital part of that. And I could see all of that just flashing before my face and my faith just started to grow and grow and grow. Because you see in this wilderness report, we have to understand the kingdom of God is here. It's not just something that will be one day, it is here and now. And what we want to do is we want to pray thy kingdom come. We want to pray the power and the presence and the, the authority of God be in us and through us in all that we do. In the book of Exodus, chapter 28 and verses 29 and 30, there's an interesting passage, as we'll find many times in the book of Exodus. This one is very unique. It is a mystery. You know, when God puts something in Scripture and He doesn't tell you a lot about it, there is a mystery that just automatically attaches itself to that very idea of its uniqueness. Listen to what it says. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart. When he goes into the holy place, now let me just pause there and say this. This high priest, when he would go into the, into the holy of holies and, and into that holy place, he would have uh, a breastplate, and on it would be 12 stones, one stone for each of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And we go in before the presence of God. He was representing all of the people, just like our high priest Jesus represents all the people. And it says, and as a memorial before the Lord continually, and you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim. And you say, what is that? Well, if you go back in your Bible to chapter 28 to verses 9 and 10, you'll find out they were two onyx stones. And on those stones, on each of them, were six of the tribes of the nation of Israel, and they were placed in that breastplate. We don't know much about them. There is a mystery attached to them. They seem to be something that had to do with God's guidance or God's wisdom as we, as we see it them pop up every once in a while. But what's interesting about it is they never show up after King David takes the throne. They disappear completely. And you ask yourself, why is that? Why would they just disappear? Because the things are, the temple is there, and maybe it was because the temple, but maybe there's something deeper there. Maybe because David was a foreshadow of the coming king of kings, who one day would sit upon the throne of his father, David, and he would be the Urim and the Thummim. And we're going to learn a little bit more about him as we go. And it says here, and they shall be over Aaron's heart. 
when he goes in before the Lord, and Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. Aaron was a picture of Christ who would bear the burden and represent the sins of the people who would be judged. You see, everything in the Old Testament is for our instruction. It is that we might understand something about the nature and the character of God. Let me show you, first of all, that God's wisdom is more than enough. Sometimes we say, yeah, I know I have the Bible, but what I need is a real answer. People say, I need a real answer. It's like that little boy that his mom took him upstairs and was praying with him, and, and he was scared of the dark, and his mom was praying and, and said, we're going to leave the little nightlight on, and, and Jesus is right here with you. Don't you know that? And the little boy said, I know, and he said, but I'm still scared. But Jesus is here, I know, but I want someone with skin on him. And sometimes we just long for that human person just to say it's going to be okay. And we have to be, church, those kind of people to one another. We have to be the, the Jesus with skin on him, if you will, to say it's going to be okay. We're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to get together on this. We're going to work together. We're going to make this thing happen. God wants us to do that. Tammy referred earlier to, a, to an incident that happened. You know, uh, I don't know if any of you guys are like this. I'm definitely like this. My wife will tell me all kinds of things to do that I know are true and valid. And I intend to do them. I really fully intend to do them, but I intend to do them at the last possible minute. Because if Jesus comes back, I would have wasted all that effort. So let me just tell you a couple of them. If you'll notice my, if you know my car, you'll notice there's a dent on the, on, the, on the rear fender because my bike was hanging up on the wall and my wife kept saying, it doesn't look very sturdy. I said, it'll be fine. In my authoritative idiocy, I said, it'll be fine. I came home only to see her at the back of my car, shaking her head, nodding her head. See, I told you so. She didn't say that, but she didn't have to. So anyway, we're getting ready for the open house, and so uh, a couple of days earlier, Ryan and I, we got together, and, and, and I, he went and got some, some mulch for me, and I put it all down, and I ran out. And so the day of, I decided I better go get more. Well, they were out of that particular mulch, and so I found some other. I didn't read the label real well. Apparently, it was mulch with manure. <laughs> About two bags into it. I said, oh, what the heck? You know, it'll kind of go away. Well, remember, it was a little rainy. Now, I don't know if you know what happens to manure when it gets wet, but it doesn't in increase its value in terms of the census goes. So we're out there, and I'm, I'm just kind of laughing, thinking, isn't this a great way to introduce your guest to your home? <laughs> Spread manure and say, come over to our open house. I think that's why people didn't stay a long time. Well, you know, my wisdom kind of worked in one way, and God's wisdom works in another. The word Urim means light. The word Thuman means perfection. You see, in Jesus are found those two things, both light and perfection. When the high priest went in before God, he was coming in, he was really representing what would be to us, Jesus, the light and the perfection. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. In these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. 
Do you know that God of the universe speaks to you by His Son? In whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom He also made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Jesus Christ is God. When you encounter Jesus, you encounter the light and the perfection of God because you encounter God Himself. In Numbers chapter 27, let me take you on this journey through verses 18 through 21. Joshua says to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Now stop there and think about how far advanced this is. Here is this passage taken from the Old Testament. And it says, in this one Joshua, he is, a, he is a man in whom is the Spirit. You see, the Spirit of God in the Old Testament would come, but he would not permanently stay. He would come to empower for a purpose. He would come to give guidance or skills or talents or whatever it was. But notice what it says, in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Now we think about Putting our hand on someone's shoulder is a gesture of just saying, hey, I love you or I'm with you. In the spiritual realm, it's far more than that. There is some kind of an impartation that goes on when we put our hand on someone. The Bible constantly talks to us about laying on of hands, the imparting of a gift. There's something going on here, even in the Old Testament. And it says in verse 19, set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and inaugurate him in their sight. So this was a confirmation of who he was and what his role would be. And now look at this, and you shall give him some of your authority. So this Joshua is going to have authority from him that all the congregation of the children may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. There it is. By the judgment of light. At his word, they shall go out. At his word, they shall come in. And he and all the children of Israel with him and all the congregation. So whatever is involved in the Urim, whatever is involved in this process here it's more than meets the eye it is it is woven into the very mystery of god do you realize just reading the word any word from the bible do you realize you're reading the very breath of god it is given by inspiration of god it is profitable in all ways to you in first corinthians chapter 1 in verses 26 through 29 listen to what it says for you see your calling brethren that not many are wise according to the flesh that word wise there is the word sophos it's where we get our word sophisticated not many of you are sophisticated not many of you were set aside and and they you grew up in royalty for example but god has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame that word shame means to cause to blush the wise. Every once in a while you hear people say, well, if that person would just get saved, if, if that person, they're so influential, it doesn't matter. It's not how God works. God can use people who are successful if he has to. 
He chooses to use us who are just common, just love God, just want to give God all we have. God has chosen uh, to confound the wise, the weak things of the world, to put to shame the things that are mighty, and the base things of the world, the things that are despised, God has chosen, the things that are not, to bring to, to nothing the things that are. And why does he do that? Verse 29 tells us that no flesh should glory in his presence. You see, if I've got some reason to look at myself and say, this is the explanation of how it all worked, then who gets the glory? I do. We want God to get the glory in everything we do. Amen? We have to diminish and let God increase. We have to, when we back off, we get to see what God does. If you've ever been frustrated, thank God. If you've ever felt weak, thank God, because now God can show up and start working. If you, always, if you feel overly confident and you think you've got everything in control, you're probably not going to see God show up. And God loves to create these wonderful, wonderful problems that He calls opportunities. Opportunities for His Spirit to move in you and through you and to, and to, to, to get the glory and the praise and the honor that He wants. See, God is a wise God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder if He's wise. I say, God, are you sure about this one? I remember when we were in the El Rancho and we were down there in the, in the school and we were trying to set up chairs and, and, you know, and I loved El Rancho. I loved that school. I wanted to stay there forever. But those 40 kids that were packed in that 10 by 10 room weren't as, as excited as I was. And then, we, you know, when we started thinking, well, we're going to go to the movie theater, I didn't want to go to the movie theater. But I did have to laugh this morning when I looked over and I saw John catching one of our worship pastors in the refreshment line to get popcorn. <laughs> I thought, well, this is kind of cool. But you see, God had a purpose. You know what God does sometimes? God put, creates scenarios to test us, to see what is in our heart, to see if you're willing to go on the journey because God has something far better than we could ever imagine. Listen to what it says in Psalm 37, verses 30 and 31. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom. You know, when a person walks with God and you hear him say something, you say, that's wisdom, because they're speaking Scripture. They're speaking the mind of God. And his tongue talks of justice. The law of the Lord is in his heart, and none of his steps shall slide. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 10 and verse 12. God made the earth by his power. He established the world by his wisdom. And by his understanding and skill, he stretched out the heavens, the wisdom of God. Colossians 2 and verse 3, in him are all the treasures of divine wisdom. Comprehensive insight into the ways and the purposes of God. And all the riches of the spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden in Christ. You see, humility is the best pathway to God's, is the pathway to God's best. You notice that it talked about the breastplate back there in, in, in Exodus 28 and 29. And it was, it was really the breastplate that was under the Old Testament covenant or the law. And it was called the breastplate of judgment. I don't know if you noticed that. Exodus 28, 29, so Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And I looked at that and I never really saw that in that clarity. Then in the Old Testament, there was judgment. 
The idea was that we fell short of the law. We needed the grace of God. And in the New Testament, we understand something of the grace of God because also the breastplate is mentioned two times in two different ways, actually, in the New Testament. One is of righteousness. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. See the difference? Judgment, righteousness. But it's also mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8 as the breastplate of faith. Look at this. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet, the hope of salvation. When we go before God, we don't come before God with judgment. We come before God with faith and with righteousness. Not of ourself. You're not righteous, are you? Are you that good? No, we fall short. But let me show you something of the mind of God as it's revealed to the faithful. You know, Psalm 119 is a, is a chapter that deals with this idea of wisdom. Every single verse relates back to the Word of God. And it reminds us something about the nature and the character of God. And that, no wonder the psalmist would say in Psalm 119, you have made me wiser than all of my instructors because thy word, it has guided me, it has led me. And you see, when God's word begins to lead you and guide you because you store up in your heart the word of God, you become like, a, like an artesian well of the scripture of God and God just begins to pour forth. Why, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep thy word. Psalm 119. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might know your way. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to thy word, Psalm 119. You see, the word of God wants to, when you begin to fill up with it, you begin to understand that God guides you by his word. So when a situation arises and you need the, some direction from the Spirit of God, the Word of God that you have stored up inside of you begins to, to connect with the Spirit of God and guide you by the very mind of God in all that you do. So I want to encourage you to read the Word of God. Just read it over and over. And you say, well, sometimes I read it, don't understand it. Don't worry about it. Keep reading it. Ask the Spirit of God to show you what it means. Ask Him to open your eyes and your heart to what it means. God wants to show you some great things. Look at this in Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Did you know God has some secret things? Sometimes God will show you something from his word. It's a secret thing. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. Sometimes God will just open up your mind and say, he'll show you something say, that's for you. I, I, you're my child, I want to tell you something. You know, uh, last week I reported that we, we put the two cars, the Hot Wheel cars up high so crews could see them from a distance but couldn't get to them. And that's like God when he puts things up on the top shelf of your life and he wants you to see a glimpse but he doesn't want to give you the reality of it yet. And, there, you know, at Christmas time there's so much stuff flying every direction. You know, there's overload of toys typically. And Cruz looked up and he said, Papa, I need my Porsche. <laughs> so I had two. They're identical. They were both white. One had red wheels and one had black wheels. And I knew he was going to pick the red wheels, but that was the one I wanted. <laughs> and he got a track where you could stand up high and then you could race these cars down. And so we were going to race and I was determined to win. I wanted to blow up the three-year-old. 
Wouldn't you know he picked the red wheels and the red wheel car was at least a car length faster every single time. And I said, God, I don't understand. I bought them. I gave them. My car should win. Why do you let him win? And he said, you don't understand, son. I let you win. My son diminished. He lost so you could win. And I began to understand something of the gifts of God. That God gave so much that we could win. He could have had the best. He could have held on to his son and not let him die. But he gave his son for you and for me that we might have life. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 and 27, it says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, but you have revealed them to babes. When you have that, that, that experience in your life, when you begin to say, wow, I think God just showed me something. That's what this is talking about. God reveals truth to us. You revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good to, in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And look at this last phrase, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Do you know that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, it is because that was revealed to you? That God opened up your heart to receive that. You had a choice, but you, you, when that choice came, when that opportunity came, you, you, you had that because God said, I want you to understand something of me. I want you to understand who I am. You can't come to faith in God apart from the revelation of the Spirit of God. You see, Christianity is not just about doing what Scripture says. It's about knowing the God of Scripture. It's about entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. That's more than the head. It's transformational. It's the heart. And the result is a new creation in Jesus Christ. That there's a transformation that literally happens. You become, as Scripture says, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new is here the new is coming the new is processing and you are being transformed day by day by the spirit of god by the spirit of god that works in your heart and unless you have had that faith encounter you do not know him you cannot experience him it's just scripture it's just things you read and you go yeah i believe that i believe that you see, one day we're going to understand more and more of all of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly. You know, you look in a mirror and you, you get a kind of the gist of what you look like, right? And sometimes it's a pretty good look and sometimes it's not so hot. But imagine in that day, the mirrors were not very good. Polished metal oftentimes. And they would look and they say, I see my image, but it's just dimly, and I don't really understand what God's all about. But it says, but then, one day I'm going to see Jesus face to face. What do you think that day will be like? Now I know in part. I know a little bit of what God's up to, but then I shall know just am I as I am also known. So God's going to open up my heart to understand more and more of the depth of who He is. Today and every day is a day to experience God in His fullness. To seek Him with all your heart. To find Him and to know Him and know His power. 
We're going to share communion together this morning. And as we share communion together, and you, you take that tray comes by and you take that little piece of bread and that little cup. You look at it and you go, this is a mystery. Why would God send His Son and die on a cross? And I take that bread, and when He tells us in Scripture, take and eat, He's saying, believe in Me. Incorporate My life into your life. When you take that cup, it's a reminder of the blood of the New Covenant. It is a reminder that it cost us something to know salvation. That sin was expensive for God. And that when we take that blood, we are saying, I believe that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. I believe that I'm transformed by His power. I believe that I'm a new creature because of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we share in this communion together, I pray that you'll take it in faith. You'll examine your own heart and say, God, what is it about me that, that I need to give over to you? Whatever element of faith that I lack, God, give me more faith. Whatever element of, of, of honest living and character I need, God, I commit myself to you that I might be the man or the woman of God you want me to be. Let's pray together. Father, as we pray, we pray that we might take the cup and we might take the bread. We might take it in a way, God, that would be honoring to you. Father, it is a mystery indeed to understand that, that this, this gift that you've given us of life comes through your death. And God, as we share together in communion, we fellowship around the idea of the presence of God. We ask and then we invite your presence to be here in greater and greater ways. That each person might sense, might feel, might know the power of Almighty God. That we might know the, the brightness of your light and the perfection of your nature. And know that all of God is in us who have loved you and you have loved us first. And so as we share in communion, we do so in such a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen.